You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. We're kicking it old school back here at The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we are buzzing into episode 198. I'm and saying old school because you're you're actually like reading off a paper, yeah. like, a, like a newscaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have well, your laptop. I forgot my laptop, and we're in a little bit of a time crunch, so I said I'm just going to go with paper. It's better <laughs> than going from my memory. No, that's true. So, I wouldn't have been able to yeah. do it from memory. Yeah. I don't know if anyone could do that. <laughs> you want to do a little follow-up? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I thought we should probably mention that we have started recording a native plant every day. Mm-hmm. We have one week done and another eight weeks <laughs> eight yeah. weeks worth to go. Yeah. But it is happening. So at any moment, the trailer for season three can drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just keep a lookout for it. It will be a new logo and a little bit of a – Updated format because I think we try to make it a little bit different every season. Mm-hmm. So yeah. look yeah. for the trailer so you can find out what's what's different this season. Yeah. So looking forward. We had fun in the, the oh, first yeah. week. Oh, yeah. The first week was fun. It's uh, Now it's finding time to do, to do the it. next couple weeks. <laughs> That's the hard part. Um, also, uh, in the last Buzz episode, 196, I did a grow read a book on Earth and Soul by Leah Rampy, and Leah was kind enough to gift us with – two autographed copies mm-hmm. of earth and soul to give away so how do you suspect we should do that the same way as I the think last we contest have to do it yeah. the same way as the last contest with the uh, uh the one like, reason selfishly being that uh you set it, it up yeah <laughs> already well is that we have yeah i set it up already but those uh the five star reviews go a long long way they really do and uh, subscriptions go even further. So grab your friends' phones and subscribe them uh, to this. In fact, after our last episode, which was the the quasi live one at um, Bowman's Hill Wildflower Bowman's, Preserve, yeah, for the Land, Land Ethics. Ethics Symposium, we got a bunch of new subscribers. Yes, and the next day, we almost cracked the top hundred science podcasts. I know. I saw that. We that was crazy. One, 113. We were at one. We've never made the first page. There's 100 on the first page. We've never made the first page. The highest we've ever been is 102. Yeah. So, so that was, and that was pretty early on. We hit that. Like the highest we've ever ranked in nature was four. Mm -hmm. And that was, and that's when, when you're a brand new podcast, what happens is they kind of like boost you and you're getting a whole bunch of new subscribers. You're getting new reviews right away. So you had to take a big bump because you're brand new. And then they boost you, so that's why we showed up as four. And now that we've but, been doing this for four years, we don't get the little Apple boost anymore. No, but we we were in the top fifteen. Like we didn't mm-hmm. crack the top ten, but yeah. we cracked the top fifteen. Yeah. Like for most of last week. Oh yeah, we were twelfth was the highest I think yeah. I saw, and yeah. it was uh, only six Bigfoot podcasts ahead of yes. us at that point. So. Yeah, but there there's there is a, a couple. You know, it's to me, it's still a little inflated. There's someone in the top five that. Mm-hmm. They switched from another category, mm-hmm. and I think it's a little inflated because of the switch yeah, right now. I don't think they're that big of a podcast, yeah. so yeah. I think they're just getting their little push because they're they're new. And then we'll be back to right where right where we yeah. were at. Oh, yeah. So, 
But that's pretty much all of – do you have any other follow-up? Uh, no, that's all I had. We're kind of yeah, done. Yeah. At the time you hear this, Tom and I will have presented for the uh, national uh, ELA or the uh, Ecological Landscape Association Conference, which is – it's mm-hmm. Tuesday of this week, and I think we're – our presentation is when tomorrow. It is on Thursday. Thursday, so, so in two yesterday, days. Yesterday, yeah, yeah, realistically. Yeah. yeah, so we did that, and I think we only have one more conference, and we're back to uh, mm-hmm. like a normal routine. And it'll be spring, just in time for spring at the, the nursery yeah. industry. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. <laughs> that should give us plenty plenty of time moving forward. All right, what do you think? Um, let's do some That's Hot. Sure. That's hot. What would you have done if I would have said take it or leave it? Or, or I would said, sure, sure, let's do it. <laughs> I am flexible. I have it all on paper. I so I would like you to go first because I'm looking at the plan. It's our mascot. Yeah, it's here. our mascot it's, in the office. It's uh, and I'm surprised at how well it's holding up for how terrible it looks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but a few weeks ago, I was given uh, an eastern prickly pear, and uh, in a what is that two quart pot. Yeah, uh, maybe a, a little smaller than that. Maybe it's a one. Is it a one quart? I it's, can't. It's tell. somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah. quart and a half. Yes, is what we'll call it, or as our our friends to the the north call it, a half liter. <laughs> is, that, is that about right? <laughs> I, I, I have no. Idea. I have no idea. <laughs> no, maybe You're it's just a liter. It's, maybe guy. it's a liter. Um, but uh, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> and I'll kick on more of that topic next week. <laughs> <laughs> but um i was given as a gift and the guy said i brought it for a friend he didn't show up so if you want it you can have it and i'm like yeah i'd hate to see it go to waste so i'll take it and uh and since then it's been living in this pot on our our conference table here um i haven't watered it i haven't like taken care of it all i keep forgetting i'm like oh i want to put this someplace so that it it lives and it, it it hasn't looked good it doesn't look any worse no. than when i first got it no uh, it actually took a tumble in my truck because it was on the seat and I hit the brakes and it, like flipped over. So his parts <laughs> have broken off. Not in great shape, but no. still very cool plant. Still alive. And uh, so a little bit of information about that plant from Jersey Friendly Yards. And I'm it's a not, uh, not quite dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> the botanical name is Optunia humifusa. It's the prickly pear is New Jersey's only native cactus. Flat, fresh, uh, fleshy, oval, evergreen pads. Stand erect uh, or lie horizontally on the ground. The pads become somewhat desiccated and shriveled during the winter, which is how this looks right now. Yes, yes. Um, uh, very shrew. I wouldn't call them desiccated. Well, some are desiccated, but some I think are, that was the issue. Some are not some even are connected very sh- and just yeah. laying on top. Some right. are very <laughs> shrivelly. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it is an ugly cactus. Uh, <laughs> So uh, they're shriveled during the winter but plump up again in the spring. Yellow ornate flowers develop along the top of each pad and bloom June in through July. Each flower is diurnal and blooms only for one day. A red edible fruit will follow fertilization. Flowers, fruits, and pads all offer food for wildlife. The pads and fruit are also edible for humans. However, a tiny reddish spikes persist and uh, ne- necessitate much care in handling all parts of this plant. Use prickly pear in seaside gardens, rock gardens, sunny borders, dry sandy areas of your yard, or as a ground cover. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a big takeaway there is how a lot of the parts of this plant are edible. 
the fruits are really good. And um, actually, the Black Forger just put up a video recently about harvesting and eating the fruits and how you have to watch out for the prickles um, because they are not fun to get out of your fingers. She had like this palm frond. I think she she was somewhere in the southwest. And it was different. It wasn't eastern prickly pear. It was a different prickly pear, I'm pretty sure. And she was like beating it with the palm frond. Oh. And then it would knock the prickles out, and then you didn't have to worry about them. But she got, like, buckets of it, and then they were eating them, and it looked really good. So, yeah, so this thing has been our mascot the last couple weeks. It's been sitting here uh, waiting for me to love it. (laughs) I'm showing it tough love right now. saying, you got to prove to me that you're worth it. Um, It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, it's going to be worth it. it. It's going to be fine. I'm going to put it someplace, but I'm not sure where yet. Yeah. Right. So that's my plant this week, and it's evergreen, so it fits yes. the winter, right? Yeah, I, totally. It's Come not on. beautiful in the winter, but it's different in the winter. That's yes, for sure. Well, that one is not beautiful right now. Yeah, I don't know if that's the, representative. One thing, the flowers are really cool. There's um, someone has one in our town, and it's planted out near their mailbox, and we walk for we have a parade in our town on the first, uh, yeah, first Saturday in July every year. And we'll walk from my house because it's only about a mile and then hang out with our friends in town that have a house and sit on their porch to watch the parade. But I remember walking by their their prickly pear every year, and it's always in bloom. So, like, that's June to July is when it blooms. I know uh, Bowman's Hill has a, a, a patch mm-hmm. on the property, too, that I've seen in bloom. It, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful plant. I, if I could get my hands on one, I would. I would. Here you go, friend. You want, I no, I'm not giving it. To oh, you. Okay, I didn't think this so. one's for me. But um, <laughs> but if I can get yeah. if I can get my hands on one, I would happily. Yeah. There are there is a seed pod there. So all right, all right, cool. Maybe I'll give you. Maybe we'll propagate some seeds and then I would love have that. some prickly pears I would for love us. That. What's your plan this week? So it's a little late for Valentine's Day, but I was thinking in terms of Valentine's Day that we should do a rose, and I chose swamp rose because what else makes you think of Valentine's Day other than swamp rose? But uh, my choice for this week is Rosa Palustris, and this information is from wildflower.org. It's an upright shrub, usually six to eight foot tall, with numerous bushy branched thorny stems, dark green pinnately compound foliage, and showy but short-lived dark rose pink flowers uh, that bloom from May, uh, May into the August area that bumblebees will totally dig. Uh, the plant also provides nesting habitat for bumblebees, and it uh, – it's a showy rose hip in the fall that are consumed by skunks and birds alike. Uh, its habitat is swamps, wet thickets, marshy shores of streams, ponds, and lakes. And it's native from Maine to Florida, west to Louisiana, and north to Michigan. And it can take both sun and shade. It, it creates a good natural barrier. Like that's one thing like on my property that the deer don't typically mess with. Um so it just provides a nice little thicket. It's great habitat, provides plenty of food. It does have beauty, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in wet uh, to uh, survive. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a native rose that's, that's somewhat carefree, I mean it does have the same issues that most native rose roses have, but which are less issues than hybrid teas or things like that. Yeah. So um, definitely, definitely a good one you'd want to put in your yard. So uh, if you have the right – right um spot in your property for either one of those i think they would make great additions so yeah, can, yeah can, i would i definitely like your plant um and i haven't tried eating that one yet but i haven't either Apparently maybe that's maybe we yeah. need, it's a little late now but oh, i haven't yeah, seen any yeah. hips out hey um 
can we circle back to the follow up? Yes. Like we said we were going to do five star reviews for the oh, autograph yeah, copies. Yeah, we never really decided. No. Said the full rules. Yeah. So basically, leave a five star review. Yes. There's the ga- little gamesmanship uh, or games personship yeah. in this. In that, if you've already left a five star review, technically you're already entered. Yes. But to rewrite that review, it may it gets you in a different place in the order. So uh, maybe that that'll benefit you in some way. You, um, you want I don't to, know if it benefits us in any way, no. but. Do you, do you want to pick an episode that we're going to announce the winners? I was thinking it would be great yeah. if it was 200, yeah, but that's only two weeks away. It's not enough time. Yeah. You want to pick 202? I would say let's do 204. 204. Let's give All right. I'm write plenty that of time down. here. Plenty of time to forget what we, we said. Well, I'm writing it down. We're going to put it in future. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it in the follow-up. Mm-hmm. For, for future episodes for, for 202 yep. um, and 200, just that if you want to be entered, you can leave a comment mm-hmm. on YouTube or yep. Spotify or Podbean, mm-hmm. and you can leave a five-star review in Apple, yeah. Apple Podcasts, yeah. if you do any of those. Were there any other things we were accepting? It was YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, mm-hmm. and I think Apple. They were yeah, the I only four it, qualifiers. Yeah. Where we we weren't doing emails, it has to be uh, on a social yes, media. It has to be on a, a social media, yeah. yeah. I don't or, think, or a podcast player, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any other options no. for that. So, if you've already done it, you're entered. If you haven't done it, do it, and mm-hmm. you can win an autographed copy of Earth and Soul by Leah Rampey. Yeah. So we're excited. We have two copies to give, which away. is a brand new book. It's yeah, only it was just released, came out. Yeah, well, was it last February sixth? Yeah, it came out. Yeah. So uh, make sure you do that. And again, we'll we'll mention it. I'm sure during the follow up at the end and, mm-hmm. and in future episodes. So yep. um, I think it is time for a little bit of this or that. All right. So the vote is tallied. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the proper word. Uh, my article was on the discovery of the. Wait, no, it's not. It wasn't the oldest forest, and monarchs need help, was it? No, it wasn't. You know, I didn't I update recall. it. I'm yeah. going to look right now. It was. Let's see here. So my article was uh, restoring the Klamath River. We'll That's take right. billions yep. of native seeds, and Tom's article was insect populations flourish in the restored habitat of solar energy facilities. So and there was a flurry of votes in in when we bumped it for mm-hmm. the last like couple days and I ended up pulling ahead fifteen to fourteen. Wow. You were leading like the whole uh, time, the whole time up, until yesterday, by a pretty large margin a yeah. lot of the time too. Yeah, and then it was like I was for like the last week I was behind by like two. Like every mm-hmm. time I got one, you got one. So it was like yeah. it kept going up, and then I don't know what happened. So I'm disappointed. This is a, a heartbreaking loss. Yeah. But. So close. We'll be back so this week for, for another vote. <laughs> so um, we have two great articles again this week, though. I'm going to choose to go first. Okay. Um, so I'm just looking to see how long. My article isn't really that long. Uh, my article is by Virginia Tech, and it was on fizz.org. And the name of the article is Experts Explain – or Expert Explains Why North American Bird Populations Are Declining. I'm sure we kind of know some of the factors in this, but this is actually a quick article. Um, mm-hmm. According to recent data, 
Bird populations in North America have declined by approximately 2.9 billion birds, a loss of more than one in four birds since 1970. Experts say this bird loss will continue to grow unless changes are made in our daily lives. Habitat loss due to agricultural intensification and urbanization is arguably the biggest threat to birds along with climate change, says Ashley Dayer, an associate professor in the College of Natural Resources and Environment and Global Change Center affiliated faculty member at Oh, sorry. At Virginia Tech. She also points to cats. There you go, Tom. Mm-hmm. I, I, yep. I oh, yeah. was waiting for you to buy in on that one. Cats and window collisions playing a role in their deaths. Data shows up to 1 billion birds die each year after hitting windows. Cats are estimated to kill more than 2.4 billion birds annually in the U.S. and Canada. They that's are, what I was going to wow, I was gonna say there is um, from all the things I've seen – Cats and windows, while both contributing to like major numbers of bird losses, are nowhere even near on the same playing field. Like, and I've I've never seen a figure as high as one billion for windows. I've seen yeah. in the millions, but never as high as one billion. Where cats are like known to kill billions of birds each are year. Are there any studies on um, estimated cat populations between 1970 and today? I'm sure someone's had it's a, got done it. But I'll yeah. look. Maybe while you're you're reading your, your article, yeah, yeah. I I'll can't look, look right now. So. <laughs> you don't have a computer. Yeah. Um, Dayer understands the importance of birds to our environment. Her research focuses on social science applied to wildlife conservation, particularly birds. They are often referred to as the canary in the coal mine, says Dayer. Birds are indicators of environmental health for their own species, people, and other wildlife. They also provide many important functions like eating pests and disease vectors like mosquitoes. Her recent research also explores how their sound and observation enrich people's lives and make them happier. Ecological and social scientists and other conservationists are working vigorously to address the losses. Virginia Tech and Georgetown University are playing a lead role in the road to recovery, saving our shared birds effort, says Dyer. In January, nearly 200 leaders in bird conservation, including Dayer, came together at the National Conservation Training Center to talk about how to change the approach to bird conservation and ensure that the population declines over the hun- of over 100 tipping point species are reversed. It's critical that we improve our approach to bird conservation by all working together to do our part. From researchers to land managers to members of the public, we must take action to more effectively conserve tipping point species, says Dayer. Engaging people in the solutions is an important component to ensuring that we reverse declines in bird population before it's too late. I watched a bird species, the Pouli on Maui, go extinct earlier in my, early in my career, and I don't want to ever experience that again. To play your part in reversing the decline, Dayer also shares these recommendations. Keep cats indoors. They make great pets, but more feral uh, and pet cats roam freely in nature. Uh, but more feral and pets, pets, pet cats roam freely in nature. Cats instinctively hunt and kill birds, even when well-fed. Make windows safer for birds. They perceive reflections in a glass as a habitat they can fly into. Experts recommend installing screens or using film or paint to break up reflections. Grow native plants to make your yard or land a better habitat for birds. Drink bird-friendly coffee to ensure tropical habitat is not lost. The coffee is certified organic, but its impact on the environment goes further than that. It's cultivated specifically to maintain bird habitats instead of clearing vegetation that birds and other wildlife rely on. And also participate in studies about birds. Project Feeder Watch 
and eBird provides these opportunities to the public and lead to important conservations science discoveries. So it's it's not really things that we didn't know. Yes, it's just yeah. nice to see them scientifically quantified. And we've talked about cats. We've talked about windows. We've talked about light pollution mm-hmm. uh, leading to it. Um, and I, I love that a lot of major cities are doing lights out between midnight and 6 a.m. Um, and we know climate change. We know uh, – agricultural intensification and urbanization it's all these factors but to hear it's almost three billion birds and one in four lost is just really Mm mind-blowing um and i'm sure it's it's more in some areas than others yeah there's definitely hot zones i guess where you're gonna have that bird loss is ramped up versus other areas that's just kind of when even with climate change in general uh, people tend to think, oh, when they say the on average the the temperature is rising on whatever I can't remember the actual figures, whatever uh, degrees Celsius over twenty years. What often doesn't come through is there's places where it's really not changing much, and then there's other places. Uh, the Chesapeake Bay is one where it's changing really really fast. So it's where it's yeah. like maybe that average is two degrees over 20 years or in some places that it's closer to like six or seven degrees Celsius and other places it's it's ramp or it's not as uh, as significant. So um, it's kind of the same, probably the same thing with the birds. What is a little confusing with that first line or the first paragraph there is it's saying, oh, there's three billion birds that are that have been lost and then says well, there's one million birds that are killed every year from flying into, or one billion birds yeah. flying into windows, and then 2.4 billion that are killed by cats. So well, that's 3.4, and you're talking about three. But I think it's on the actual total so, population. Yeah. Yes. They're accounting for a lot of those losses already. Um, some birds don't live very long. Yeah. So so and I, I just pulled this up online. Uh, the The American Veterinary Medical Association says that in 2020 – 26% of households own cats up from 25% at year-end 2016, and the population of pet cats was estimated to be between 60 and 62 million last year compared to what, 58 million five years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not a huge increase. Yeah. That's five years ago, but I, yeah. I guess if you were to go back 50 years ago, um, I don't know if I can get that. Well, I would assume, I would assume pet cat ownership has gone – is way way higher but i don't know if like cat population would be any different because they were just outdoor cats versus indoor cats now so it's it's an it's it's saying the illinois department illinois department of natural resources estimated number of pet cats in urban and rural parts of the united states have grown from 30 million in 1970 to 65 million in 2000 and we're like what did i say earlier 68 yeah so yeah, it's doubled in the last fifty mm-hmm. years. So yep. that's doubled, and the birds have gone down twenty five percent. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's some correlation there besides other besides other factors. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So no, interesting article. I always love ragging on cats. I thought um, you might. 
I anything might, that includes, yeah, anything that includes. I, I don't think it's anything. Putting earth, cats in their place. I don't think, like, again, I, I don't think it's anything earth shattering. These are all things we know, but it's just yeah. nice to see the scientific quantifications yeah, on it. And what what are we going to do to change that? And I think mm-hmm. by planting native plants, I love that they throw that in there to create bird habitat. So. Yeah. Yep, definitely. All right. Um, what do you have? My article makes no reference to native plants at all. <laughs> all uh, right. It makes no reference to invasive plants. <laughs> Wow. Reference plants one bit. All right. Um, except, uh, I guess, plastic manufacturing plants. It refers to them. Oh, but, okay. Um, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, actual plants, well, like, places that make plastic. I find it interesting because we did uh, last and, – and obviously, you know, because we published it last week was um, – we did the Bowman Hill Wildflower Preserves Land Ethics Symposium, and one of the questions by actually one of our customers, Carol Huber, wanted to hear more about uh, nursery plastics, and it was something we touched on, but we didn't go in depth. You and I have discussed yeah. this 20 times over the last 200 episodes, um, but I'm I'm I like where your article is headed. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it is. It definitely isn't confrontational. Um, in fact, the headline is, they lied. Plastic producers <laughs> deceived public about recycling, report reveals. Uh, it was published in The Guardian just a week or two ago, February 15th, uh, and it was written by uh, Darna Noor. So, um, but like I said, it doesn't have anything to do with plants, but it does touch on climate change, which is something we talk about yes. often. And we've talked about recycling. We had, uh, it was Eric from TerraCycle, TerraCycle. on uh, not too long ago. Talking about recycling different products, yeah. so I think it's in, in a, a tangent that is uh, worth exploring through this article. It's it's huge. It's yeah. huge. So, all right, I'm going to read a little bit. I'll probably cut off at some point because it's a little long, and um, and then I'll give some more of my thoughts as we we get through it. All right. So, plastic producers have known for more than 30 years that recycling is not an economically or technically feasible plastic waste management solution. That has not stopped them from promoting it, according to a new report. The companies lied, said Richard Wiles, president of the Fossil Fuel Accountability Advocacy Group, the Center for Climate Change or Climate Integrity, which published the report. It's time to hold them accountable for the damage they've caused. Plastic, which is made from oil and gas, is notoriously difficult to recycle. Doing so requires meticulously sort or meticulous sorting, since most of the thousands of chemically distinct varieties of plastic cannot be recycled together. Uh, that renders an already pricey process even more expensive. Another challenge, the material degrades each time it's reused, meaning it can generally only be reused once or twice. Um, and a little touch in there is that uh, a lot of the times the reuse process is for a lower grade plastic than the original use. So if you had like right. a really high quality plastic and then you it's all put together, it's recycled, well, the next time it comes back to life, it's in a lower value lower. plastic gotcha. until it just can't be reused anymore. So... Um, the industry has known for decades about these existential challenges, but obscured that information in its marketing campaigns, the report shows. The research draws on previous investigations as well as newly revealed internal documents illustrating the extent of this decades-long campaign. Industry insiders over the past de- several decades have variously referred to plastic recycling as uneconomical, said it cannot be considered a permanent solution to, so- or to waste, the solid waste solution, and said it cannot go, out, or cannot go on indefinitely. The relevations show. The authors say that the evidence demonstrates that oil and uh, petrochemical companies, as well as their trade associations, may have broken laws designed to protect the public from misleading marketing and pollution. 
Single-use plastics. In the 1950s, plastic producers came up with an idea to ensure a continually growing market for their products, disposability. They knew if they focused on single-use plastics, people would buy and buy and buy, says Davis Allen, investigative researcher at the CCI and the report's lead author. At a 1956 industry conference, the Society of Plastics Industry, a trade group, told producers to focus on low cost, big volume, and expendability, and aimed for materials to end up in the garbage wagon. The Society of Plastics is now known as the Plastics Industry Association. As is typical, instead of working together towards actual solutions to address plastic waste, groups like CCI choose to level political attacks instead of uh, constructive solutions. Matt Seaholm, president and CEO of the trade group, said in an emailed response to the, uh, to the report, over the following decades, the industry told the public that plastics can easily be tossed in landfills or burned in garbage incinerators. But in the 1980s, as municipalities began considering bans on grocery bags and other plastic products, the industry began promoting a new solution, recycling. The industry has long known that plastics recycling is not economically or practically viable, the report shows. An internal 1986 report from the World Trade Association that vinyl, uh, the Vinyl Institute noted that recycling cannot be considered a permanent solution uh, – permanent solid waste solution to plastics as it merely prolongs the time until that an item is disposed of. In 1989, the founding director of the Vinyl Institute told attendees of a trade conference, recycling cannot go on indefinitely and does not solve the solid waste problem. Despite this knowledge, the Society of Plastic Industry established the Plastics Recycling Foundation in 1984, bringing together petrochemical companies and bottlers and launched a campaign focused on the sector's commitment to, uh, to recycling. In 1988, the trade group rolled out the Chasing Arrows, the widely recognized symbol for recyclable uh, recyclable plastic, and began using it on prax- uh, packaging. Experts have long said the symbol is highly misleading, and recently federal regulators have echoed their concerns. The Society of Plastics Industry also e- established a plastics recycling research center at Rutgers University in New Jersey in 1985, one year after the state lawmakers passed a mandatory recycling law. In 1988, industry group... Uh, for the Council for Solid Waste Solutions, set up a recycling pilot project pilot project in St. Paul, Minnesota, where the city council had just voted to ban the plastic poly, uh, polystyrene or styrofoam. And in the early 1990s, another industry group ran ads in Ladies Home Journal, uh, the Ladies Home Journal, proclaiming a bottle can come back as a bottle over and over again. All the while, behind closed doors, industry leaders maintained that recycling was not a real solution. In 1994, a representative of Eastman Chemical spoke at an industry conference about the need for proper plastic recycling infrastructure. While someday uh, this may be a reality, he said, it is more likely that we wake up and realize that we are not going to recycle our way out of the solid waste issue. That same year, an Exxon employee told staffers at the American Plastics Council, we are committed to the activities of plastic recycling, but not committed to the results. It's uh, it's clearly fraud they're engaged in, said Wiles. The report does not allege that the companies broke specific laws, but Alyssa Joel, report co-author and attorney, said she suspects they violated public nuisance, racketeering, and consumer fraud protections. The industry's misconduct continues today, the report alleges. Over the past several years, industry lobbying groups have promoted so-called chemical recycling, which breaks down plastic polymers down into tiny molecules in order to make new plastics, synthetic fuels, and other products. But the process creates pollution and is even more uh, and even more energy intensive than traditional plastic recycling. The plastic sector has long known the chemical recycling is not a true solution to plastic waste. The report says, in 1994 trade meeting, Exxon Chemical Vice President Erwin Lev- uh, Levowitz uh, called one common form of uh, chemical recycling a fundamentally uneconomical process. 
And in 2003, a longtime trade consultant criticized the industry for promoting chemical recycling, calling it another example of how non-science got into the minds of the industry and environmental activists alike. This is just another example, a new version of the deception we saw before, said Alan. See home of the Plastics Industry Association said the report was created by an activist, anti-recycling organization, and disregards the incredible investments into recycling technologies made by our industry. Unfortunately, they use outdated information, false claims to continue to mislead the public about recycling, he added. He did not expand on which claims were outdated or false. The report comes at... at uh, Excuse me. The report comes as the plastic industry and recycling are facing growing public scrutiny. Two years ago, California's Attorney General Rob Bonta publicly launched an investigation into fossil fuel and petrochemical producers for their role in causing and exacerbating the global plastics pollution crisis. A toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, last February also catalyzed a movement demanding a ban on vinyl chloride, a carcinogen used to make plastic. Last month, the EPA announced a health review of the chemical, the first step towards a potential ban. In two, uh, 2023, so just last year, New York State also filed a lawsuit against PepsiCo saying its single-use plastic violates public nuisance laws and that the company misled consumers about the effectiveness of recycling. The public is also increasingly concerned about the climate impact of plastic produ- uh, production and disposal, which count for 3.4% of all global greenhouse gas emissions. In recent years, two dozen cities and states have sued the oil industry for covering up the dangers of the climate crisis, similarly taking the oil and petrochemical industries to court for knowingly deceiving the public, says Wiles, uh, which could force them to change their business models. I think the first step in solving the problem is holding the companies accountable, he said. Judith Enk, a former regional administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency and founder of the advocacy group Beyond Plastics, called the analysis very solid. The report should be read by every attorney general in the nation, and the Federal Trade Commission, she said. Brian Frosch, the former attorney general and from the state of Maryland, said the report includes the kind of evidence he would not normally expect to see until a lawsuit has already gone through a process of discovery. If I were an attorney general, based on what I read in CCI's report, I'd feel comfortable pressing for an investigation and a lawsuit. So, wow. really, a lot there. Like yeah. I said, not a nothing related to plants. It's not a fluff piece. Um, definitely not a fluff piece. Um, but... It's something we've talked about before is just plastic use in general, uh, plastic recycling, which I've voiced my my or what I've heard from from people saying, oh, you put it in the blue bin. It's a feel good thing, but it doesn't actually end up often making a difference. When Eric was here from TerraCycle, one of the things I really appreciate about him is. And and I still do this is. You still recycle. Yes. Even though you might have your doubts, at least there's a chance, chance it's going to the yeah. right place if you do that. If you put it in your, your garbage bin or there's even worse, percent. you throw it out the window, there's a 0% chance yes. it's going to end up in a recycling bin but uh, or in being recycled. But by putting it in the blue uh, multi-stream container, there's a chance it's going to end up going to the right place. But um, that's some of the things I think where our listener group – I can't imagine people not recycling – and then I'll go to a different state or, or a different area, and they, they don't have recycling programs. And I'm like, man, what is going on here? Or I'll go to a friend's house, and they don't even think about recycling. That blows my mind. And it blows my certain, mind, yeah. Certain areas where you're like, there's no – like you're you're in a, a, a business or something like that, and mm-hmm. like there's no recycling like anywhere. Like this kind of blows my mind like yeah. when I see that there's no recycling. Yeah. But I think what it, what I really wanted to talk about with this article is how – um, this the whole recycling program was an industry 
uh, a, a oil and plastics industry attempt at, um, I guess, cleaning up their image. Yes. It, and even from the beginning, it didn't have a lot of promise, no. but was presented as being the solution. Yes. And, uh, and what this kind of uncovers is, well, maybe people knew that at the time and were doing it anyway. Um, so I, my big takeaway is still, yeah, still recycle. Um, the uh, even bigger thing, try and reuse the stuff yourself. That's what, uh, like, we New Jersey have that plastic bag ban, which um, kind of hurt me in a way because I was reusing a lot of those bags yeah. over and over and over again. I'm yes. glad to see, and and at the same time, I look at and some of the alternatives. To, we used to miss trash bags yeah. for, like, small trash cans, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I look at the alternatives, and I'm like, well, a lot of times those are even more resource-intensive than the, the single-use bag was. Um, but you can reuse all sorts of things, and... Honestly, that was my favorite takeaway when we had TerraCycle in here is how much they were investing into reusable containers, not – so they're like, yeah, we can recycle this stuff. Yeah. But we'd much rather you – if you're going to go get ice cream, go get Haagen-Dazs in the reusable container. Bring it back. And bring it back. So it can be reused, yeah. and the life cycle is going to go on a lot longer. It, like, and that was another thing for me when I lived in Delaware. Yeah. Like, there was still a um, – like, if you bought – Beer or soda, they were you. You paid a deposit and brought them yeah. back, you mm-hmm. know. And I was I enjoyed actually taking them back because it was like a better, like a heavier uh, case that the bottles came in, mm-hmm. so that you could take it back, so it could get reused a few yeah. times. Like it just, I don't know how much better it was doing. It made me feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, it's funny. Yesterday on Instagram, someone had on their story not a meme but like a picture that just said over and over – like it was written on a chalkboard like Bart Simpson and Mm -hmm. it just said everything made of plastic can be made of hemp. Yeah. And it was just over and over. Everything made of plastic can be made from Mm -hmm. hemp. You know, And it's – you think about – I think I mentioned it before. It's it's an interesting book if you ever want to read it. It was by Jesse Ventura called The Marijuana Manifesto Mm -hmm. and just what kind of led into the banning of hemp. Yeah, because oh, at yeah. one point during colonial times, this is Jesse Ventura, the the yeah, governor, right? It is, yeah, the, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. It is the governor who had then Navy been, Seal, yeah. WWE wrestler, yeah. and and governor, yeah. But and then now author, mm-hmm. but uh, how that every person that had a farm in colonial times had to grow so much hemp because that mm-hmm. hemp was used for like ship sales, things like that. Yeah. So and yeah. it was kind of like a smear campaign from I can't remember. Who the magnet was who owned the newspapers and paper companies. Oh yeah. And yeah. he didn't want hemp. He wanted paper from lumber. Yeah. And started well, and there the was whole, also a lot of you know, there was a um, lot of factors. Yeah, there was, was a lot of, of uh, racism tied into that. Too. And that they and, said that stemmed yeah. from him. Yeah. To to scare people saying, oh, yeah, yeah. oh well, you know, this segment of the population is using marijuana mm-hmm. and that's why it's bad and you don't want that. Yeah. Causing crime. Gotcha. Oh. So that got rid of hemp, got hemp yeah. banned, and made a larger demand for yeah. uh, paper products made out mm-hmm. of timber yeah. and improved his business in paper. I've companies. noticed, and, uh, and I'm not trying to offend anyone if they're one of these people, but the when you go on Facebook, the there's two groups that really are passionate about what they do, and it's the hemp folks yes. and the bamboo folks. The Like, and... 
one of the things I really credit uh, Kyle Leibarger for is he he's out there living it. He's not yeah. just yeah, he's, no, he's, he's not he's, just saying it in his videos. He's doing it too, and he's going into these these hemp groups and and uh, bamboo groups saying. So you're saying that we should plant get rid of this so we can plant a monoculture of something else? Like, that's not the answer. Where where timber yeah. has yeah. the alternative benefit of when done properly, you're creating a habitat system yeah. and selectively removing trees. Um, so you have a variety of things. Now, the forestry industry has become like a monoculture crop in a lot of cases, too, and they're spraying and clearing. Things have changed a little bit. That's how it yeah. was in, like, 2000s and 90s. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to actually touch on that in my Grow Read a Book a little oh, bit. Oh, so. well, let's not talk anymore about yeah. it. So two, fanta- yeah. two fantastic articles. Did you want to elaborate? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I, was, I really wasn't going to say much more. I was like, yeah, think it's one of those things where I think it kind of pulls the clouds back a little bit and says, understand that recycling is definitely a marketing campaign. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because, like I said, there's a chance it's going to be relived. Yes. But my personal thoughts are try and buy reusable containers more than than water. One of the things that drives me nuts too, and I've I'll do it as well, is everyone's got the the tumbler cups now. Yeah. Or like the yeah. Yetis or Arctic Arctics, whatever, the off brand ones, whatever the yeah. Stanley mugs. That's the big one now. Stanley's big. Um Everyone's got them. What drives me crazy is the folks who who have their plastic water bottle, open it, and then dump it in there. That and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. The point of it is that you can refill it from a, a water source. But um, yeah, it's, like we've gotten so so attached to plastic in so many ways, and it's just such a part of our everyday everyday lives, and it's in ways that we can't even like think about. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's a so it's important to recognize that we need to limit our plastic use. The plastics we do have that we can recycle, recycle. Try and get vessels that are reusable instead of recyclable when you can, yes. and then reuse them. Don't just toss them. And then um, and understand that recycling is not a hundred percent what it's claimed to be. But that doesn't mean we should stop. Yes. It's uh, it's kind of taking reduce your yeah. That's the whole thing is reduce, reuse, and then recycle is kind of like in third in my mind. They are not on equal, yeah. equal planes. As I I use uh, recyclable stuff all the time. Like I, I'm I'm curious why they don't have. All right, like you go into a, a convenience store, you go into Wawa for us. And that's mm. what we have in the the Mid Atlantic. And there's 20 different types of bottled water that you can yeah. get. Yeah. But you can like fill a coffee mug with coffee. You you can go in with your Yeti and fill a coffee mug for a certain mm-hmm. thing. Why don't they just have like Fuji water things where you can fill your yeah. fill your thing? If you want Fuji water, you go in. It's the reusable water containers mm-hmm. that they use, and you can go in and for two dollars you can fill your Yeti. Yeah. Well, now you're talking all supply chain stuff. Because uh, you but figure it, the shipping has got to be way harder. Yeah, but it's going via truck. It's still showing up on a truck. Yeah, it's still showing up on a truck, but now it's like it's not a person handling a case. One thing is your your markup is probably way more substantial on a oh, bottle versus true. a jug. That's true. 
Um, that's your new marketing yeah. right there. Or that's your new product. Put in like water coolers where you charge per the fill up for water. Yeah. And then you have less input mm-hmm. into it. So I would imagine you're more profitable. You could charge the yeah. same amount of money, maybe There's with less a lot input. Of, so a lot of people like, and my wife is one of these people, um, they like bottled water because they feel safer about it. Um, and, and but it's I, not. Like, trying, I've heard all kinds of stories about Yeah, I'm about, like, you're buying the bottle of Dasani that comes from a tap in one place versus the tap in whatever city we're in. It's not like it's it. It's just filled safer. It. Like, a lot it's, of the labels just say what city the water came from, from yeah. their municipal system. So yeah. you're just drinking someone else's tap water. Yeah. And that bottle going through intense heat at certain times of the year mm-hmm. isn't – I mean, that's proven to not be good. Yeah. So – I mean, even as a kid for us locally, it it doesn't exist in the same way, but there was a company called Charles Chips, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. they it was a delivery system, mm-hmm. and they brought – it was like they had like cheese puffs, pretzels, I think plain chips mm-hmm. and um, barbecue chips, but in big tin containers. Yeah. And yeah. they would stop by once a week, and if you emptied the tin, you, you, you gave it. They cleaned it back, filled it up. Like you got something else. So it was yeah. like – you were recycling. You weren't just getting bags and throwing them out and things like that. I don't know. I miss that. Yeah. I wonder what that would cost today, like a milkman, mm-hmm. like coming to your house yeah. with the glass bottles. Like how much – what's the price difference from doing that today? I would imagine it's it's probably more expensive to do it that way. I would imagine. Um, just because the human component is such an expensive part. It's uh like having the delivery driver is probably I would assume is by far the most expensive part of that. Maybe that's program. the key. You subsidize the mail system, which is yeah. something to me that seems like a waste at this point. Mm-hmm. So instead of the uh, USPS, they also deliver water, yeah. <laughs> and they just go house to house, and they bring mm-hmm. your mail, and they bring. Water or milk or something or something. I don't know. Subsidize it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Am I on the wrong track? Am I? Am I eh. just dreaming? I don't think it's. Yeah, I think you're just dreaming because right. I think it's. Uh, yeah. The the labor as once we get into autonomous trucks, maybe. All but right. then then, what we've really ramped up on is the convenience factor for so much and having to be home so the person can deliver the chips or water or whatever. Because you know, now there's all of a people it's, are stealing off of. Yeah I, yeah, I get the ring notifications all day long. Like someone stole my Amazon package yeah. off my steps. So it's uh yeah, because I remember even like the Schwan man was uh, I yeah. we, the Schwan man Schwan- didn't come to our house. I remember we go to my man. friend's house, and that was sim- similar kind of idea where they had like what meats, was it frozen meats? Yeah, yeah, frozen goods, and um, but yeah, to show up to all these people's houses, and like they have to be home where they miss the. Oh, that. yeah. So oh, you're on vacation, no food delivery, or yeah. you're oh you had to run out for a appointment. You're not getting it this week. Yeah, it's um, and that's kind of changed. So all right, so yeah. it, well, just just as an example, I know this is going to be funny, but every now and then Agatha and I binge Ninety Day Fiance, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. It's like yeah. a, a train wreck that we can't help but to watch. So we're watching one and the couple is in Morocco and and uh, 
the woman says, hey, I want to make dinner. Let's get a chicken. So they went to the market and he's yeah. like, all right, pick out which chicken you want and they'll butcher it for you. Yeah. Like, and she's yeah. like, what? Like he's like <laughs> – she's like, I want frozen. And he was like, no, that's not – like this is how everyone else in the world does it. <laughs> like this is – this is how you get fresh mm-hmm. food. Yeah. Like you don't want that kind of chicken, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like that's what we've moved away from. Yeah. Like I can imagine, yes, I, I, I don't think I could go into yeah a play, a market and say, yes, kill that one for me. Oh, yeah, I could. I do. Yeah, I, do, I, do I, I know. I know. But it's but, different though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm not uh, accustomed to it. But if I had grown up with that, yeah, it wouldn't be a big deal. I was um, this is the this is, we're getting way off on the tangent here, but uh, like over the weekend, I I hunt a lot and I shot a deer earlier this year, and um, I was fine. I hadn't had a lot of time, so I froze it. I basically raw cut or caught cut it up into primal cuts, okay. and then this past weekend I was able to grind some so that we can make it in like hamburgers and meatloafs and that kind of stuff. Um, and I was a little conflicted at first i didn't think of much of it as my wife did but i was like had my son help and i'm like oh yeah put it in and i was and I, he was been a part of this whole process outside of the actual like killing part um but i shot it i went home i got him said hey we're gonna go find this yeah. thing and he was i was expecting him to be torn about it yeah. but he was fine with it like he he thought it was interesting i don't wouldn't say he thought it was cool but he thought it was interesting and then he was out there when we were butchering them and, and cutting into those primal cuts, and then now he's part of this. And then he ate some last night, and so he saw that whole process. And a lot of people are really removed from that, um, either through either through willingness or just opportunity. They're removed from yeah. that. So, did I ever tell uh, did I ever tell the story on here about your dad with the snow goose with coal? Yeah, I think so. All right, just real like yeah. My son was saying, like, our dog was old, and mm-hmm. he was young at the time, and said, when Jake dies, can we cut him, cut his head open and look at his brain? And I was like, no, I don't think we're going to do yeah. that. So I mentioned it to your dad. Well, he shot a snow goose and said, have your wife come in with coal, and let's dissect yeah. it. So they they set up shop outside and dissected mm-hmm. it and let him hold, like, the heart, this yeah. is this, and blah, blah. Completely fascinated. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't affect yeah. him, like... Now, not everyone's the same. My other son wouldn't have handled it so yeah. well. Yeah. So there's um, a funny, uh, and people might take this the wrong way too. Funny Joe Rogan story where he was talking about how he was on an elk hunt. This is years ago. Yeah. He's talking about he was on an elk hunt and his wife had like some of her friends over for dinner. And as they're like cutting into their steak and they're like, oh, where's Joe? Oh, he's out on this elk hunt. The one person's like, oh, how barbaric as he's cutting yeah. into a steak that and he's like, I'm out there harvesting meat that's going to feed my, myself and my family. Yeah. And then it's so disconnected that they're – They don't even realize what they're doing. Don't even realize that what they're doing at the moment. So, yeah, it's – um, I don't. how did we get to that? I have that no point? idea. <laughs> I have no idea at all. I think but. a lot of it was that we've grown as a population so disconnected from yeah. yes. where – anything comes from and it's like that or where everything where anything goes when we're done with it just in in like less than my lifetime we went from where it was socially acceptable to drink from a public water fountain to everyone needs to have their own like sterile container 
that they're pouring bottled water into because they don't feel safe drinking. And and it's, it's yeah. not to discredit the places where it is not safe to drink the water. Yes. That's come out too, where there's yes. places it's not safe to drink the water. But it's um that is not you go back a hundred years, you had people drinking from streams, streams. <laughs> like saying, "Oh, here, this is cool. Okay, I'm going to boil a little bit to yeah. make sure it's safe, uh, or kill anything in it." Um, and it, I that's definitely the wrong direction in my mind. Yeah, I would much rather be in a place where I know I could drink from that stream because it's clean, and. And I don't even trust that when, yeah. when you think of the the state of our oh, waterways. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, you can't now. But um, yeah, we're going the wrong way. And I yeah. think our group that's listening right now is is kind of said hold up, and then it's like back on that path of going the right way. Yeah, no, totally. So, yeah. So two great. I mean, just look at where we went. Just discussing these two fantastic articles. So Tom's was on. They lied. Uh, the plastic producers deceive public about recycling, and my article is about the uh, North American bird populations declining. Wow, we really went, we really went on the negative, <laughs> on the doom and gloom this week. But two fantastic yeah. articles. Uh, we'll put them up on Monday on our Facebook group, the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, and then you get to vote for a winner because. And of course, the choice is yours. Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. All right. It's not as not as big as I thought it would be this week, but let's do some listener shout outs. Yeah. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I can go first. All right. I don't have a ton this week. We had uh, Moon Angel uh, wrote in on Spotify saying uh, with the Meet Griff episode and said, fantastic, uh, cannot agree more about being relevant to people. Uh, I love watching his videos. I think we all his, love watching his, his videos. His videos are incredible. And, um, they really are. And, yeah, it's it's being relatable is number one. When yeah. it comes to, to getting more people on this train, it's uh I should probably think of a greener energy source than than train, huh? <laughs> <laughs> greener form of greener form of transportation. But whenever I come across one of his videos, I end up going down a rabbit hole with the videos because they're so entertaining and you're you're learning so much. He packs so much knowledge and you're absorbing it without even really realizing what's mm-hmm. going on. But no, he's fantastic. Who else you got? Uh, and then we have uh, Jamie Tui, also on Spotify. Um, do you know what article or what episode this was? Because I feel like it was. It a was last. It was the last Buzz episode. Yeah, but they episode one ninety six. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I did talk about pollinator. Day. I'm like, yeah. we didn't talk about. I'm thinking about uh, um, pollinator week. That's no, in June. No, it was pollinator yeah. day. Uh, I didn't she, even remember you bringing it up. But they wrote, honest. thank you for the info on Pollinator Day. They're in Bethlehem, PA, so they are going to look into it. And that Pollinator Day is something that the native plant side of New Jersey is going to do oh, this awesome. coming spring. Oh, that's right. Where that's um, right. where they can have representatives at local garden centers kind of coaching people who have are interested in native plants, coaching them in what plants are going to work for their yard. That's so, right. That's right. I remember now. No, that's wonderful. So I have three – and this goes for Tom and I, which they always do. But these were emails that were sent in to us this week. 
um, Annie Kaints, uh from Michigan about the you know just thoughts about the early spring that they're um, experiencing and some questions and maybe uh, some future episodes that that the topic was a little bit deeper than what Tom and I feel we can expertly discuss. So we're yeah. definitely looking for a guest for that. Uh, Valerie Legacy uh, from Idaho sent us an email saying she loved our pizza talk. It was all pizza love. When was the last time we had feedback saying talk more pizza? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Usually it is the other way around. But Valerie actually grew up in Levittown also in the 70s and uh, came across us, and, and she just happened to pick an episode that we were comparing Angelo's Pizza against the world, and mm-hmm. uh, she loved that. And then Yvonne Kolarik, uh from Oklahoma uh, saying that she went out and bought a copy of Earth and Soul after we talked about it and talked about the work that she's doing on her own property in Oklahoma. And uh, so many – and. Uh, Cynthia Glass actually from Penn State Master Gardeners uh, emailed us, uh, just asked a couple questions and said she was at the Green Industry Council that Tom and I were at, but mm-hmm. she didn't want to interrupt us because we look busy. We like being interrupted. Like, come over and say hello. If we're at, if you're at a conference with us, please stop by the table, and introduce yourself, yeah, and say hello. We definitely, definitely want to. We want to say hello. So. Thank you to all all the wonderful people that reached out to us on all these different platforms. Remember, if you leave a comment on Podbean or Spotify or YouTube or leave a five-star review, you're entered to win a copy of Earth and Soul by Liam Rampey. All right. I am seeing – I'm excited about this because mm-hmm. this is a good lead because we we've already recorded next week's episode. Yes, we have. And you discussed yeah. this, so this is a good lead-in. Yeah, definitely. Um, Grow a book. All right. All I was going to say is play the jingle, Fran. Oh, where are you? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so I, I finally read another book, and uh, it was a book that's actually been on my, my hold list uh, for my Libby app for a long, long time. Sometimes I'll – so I'll write – I'll read books, and yeah. then I'll write in the authors, depending on what it is, to see if they want to come on. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know if I should disclose that I didn't actually buy their book and I listened to it from the library. I feel like a lot that's of okay. actors support the libraries. Yeah. I agree. But, or did I say actors? A lot yeah, of authors, authors support libraries. But at the same time, by getting it from the library, I didn't financially support them. So I don't want them to be upset that I'm like, oh, I didn't actually buy the book. I listened to it from my but, library and didn't pay listen, you any money. If you That's, if you get the book from your library and we talk about it and it inspires other people to buy it, yeah. That yeah. more than well, I always tell good them to karma. Look at built their library. Yeah, too. Oh, that's true. Save a little money. Someone's going to buy it. If one person yeah. buys it, save a little money. Eat. Save a little paper. Yeah. Yes. Um, look up your library first. Yes. But uh, but I finally got the book uh, "Finding the Mother Tree" by uh, Doctor Suzanne Samard, um, which I'd heard uh, I've seen referenced in a lot of other books. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Saw a lot of reviews saying that you had to read it, and I finally got a chance to, and uh, and I agree with a lot of it. It was really, really good. It's as much uh, a memoir as it is like a scientific piece. Um, probably even more so a memoir about her life and her rise through uh, her career and 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 even like her relationships with her family, uh, through marriage, uh, through professional relationships, and. So that was very relatable in that sense. Um, But one of the big things that was a major takeaway is she was working in a male, as a woman in a male dominated field 
and uh and she never like outright said it that she where it was like I was discredited because I was a woman, but she kind of puts that in there saying this was something I was fighting against in a way that there was I'm a lot of times I was the only woman in the meeting and coming out of the eighties into the nineties, two thousands, and I was kind of just because of I wasn't the burly lumberjack, I kind of got dismissed. Um, but she doesn't use it as an excuse, I guess I should say. Uh, it's okay. something she acknowledges, but she never says, hey, I didn't. it didn't work because of this. Yeah. She may put in there saying, that could have been a potential reason why my idea was dismissed, even though I had all this evidence behind me. It was that uh, it, because I was a woman, it was might have been held against me. But she never like uses an excuse yeah. for this is why it failed or this is why I stopped yeah. or any of that. So that part's kind of inspiring. Um, she has her own health challenges later in life. Uh, that makes it sound like she's, I think she's in her 60s now. Okay. So I shouldn't say like later, later in the book. She describes some of her say, health I'm challenges. Not, I'm not that far off of 60. Um, and uh, so it's like, it's very personal in so many ways, which is like, it's really easy to connect to her in that uh, regard. But uh, but as I mentioned earlier in the episode, and then on next week's episode, she did a lot of work in the timber industry in Canada, um, working on the government regulation side, and a lot of her research as a researcher for that program was on uh, ways to better produce a lot of these fir and spruce trees that they were harvesting for timber. So Engelman spruce, which is actually one of my plants of the the week. Couple weeks ago, it's one of the trees. Douglas fir is another one, and uh, she'd go into these stands and find what uh, what methods were uh, were better than others because they were having these uh, old growth forests where the trees were hundreds of years old that they're cutting down uh, selectively, typically, and that they were replanting with uh, new trees when they're done. And um, and what they were finding, uh, they the Canadian government had passed a law uh, for the timber industry saying that um, so the new trees had better survivability. They want to take get rid of any other competition. So it was all your your birches and aspens and everything that could be also growing there. Um, even like the all the species that end with weed in the common name, <laughs> yeah. get rid of them all. Let's go in with Roundup, spray it all, and then gives these. Uh, you can without the surfactant, it's not going to kill our uh, our commercial species, the the spruce fir that we replanted, and um, it's going to give them a jump start. So they'll be able to get a couple feet tall, taller than any of the competition, and then outgrow them as time goes on. We might have to go back in and spray them again yeah. just to give them that extra jump, but it's a small expense to ensure that our Desired species are going to be healthy for a canopy and then shade out everything that's going to compete with it and be great. Her research was kind of, uh, I think her hypothesis was that she didn't believe that was going to be true. Um, And she set some of those experiments up and found out through her research that wasn't true. And uh, areas where they did not do that, actually, the trees, while they might be stunted at like first year or two. Yeah caught up and then outgrew the trees where they sprayed everything multiple times and got rid of it all. So um, so that was the, the first kind of step on her journey and then kept coming back to that concept and kind of figured out, 
well, not only are uh, are these trees in areas where we leave the native plants performing better, maybe there's something more here. Used like radiation, uh, or found, basically found out. Oh, there's these mycorrhizal associations, and um, that are helping the trees actually. Uh, then hypothesize they're passing some nutrients to each other. And you'll have trees that they may be able to fix uh, fix nitrogen or plants that are fixing nitrogen, and then that's passing nitrogen to these mycorrhizal networks, and they're uh, sharing in a sense. Um, but even at that point, she's like, I don't know if it's sharing or stealing. Yeah. And then goes on, does some radiation surveys, and uh, is able to track how these nutrients are actually moving from certain species not even just from tree to tree, from certain species to other species, wow. finding out then that sometimes those relationships are going both ways. And um, uh, her one of her big things at the end, towards the end of the book, is that you have these mother trees, per se, which is where, where she got the title from, where it would be like in one of the older trees in this population was then uh, supporting some of those younger trees in the same genus or in this of the same species and feeding them nutrients while they were really little, in addition to some other species that were trading with them to help boost them, and even found evidence that um, some of these big old-growth trees, when they were dying because of insects or something else, would actually start flushing nutrients through the mycorrhizal network into their offspring. But not, and she was able to kind of show that, um, and I don't want to just say offspring, but trees of the same species which are probably offspring in a lot of cases. Um, but they weren't always, they weren't going into, like if she had a Douglas fir, it was feeding the other Douglas fir around, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily feeding like an aspen tree yeah. or, a, or a red cedar or a that was there. Tree, yeah. So um, a lot of really cool stuff. She ended up becoming a professor at a, a university in British Columbia. Um, just a really fascinating book, and I reached out to her publicist as soon as I was done. Said, "Hey, I think this would really." A lot of our listeners have recommended this yes. book. I think this is something that I need to read this book. That um, definitely that a lot of, of folks would really enjoy, and uh, and we have some a lot of listeners in the Pacific Northwest, British Columbia, that area of the country, or that area of North America. That I think um, it gives them some content that's not even just uh, they can appreciate, but is also close to home. Yeah. Um, one of the things I also really liked about the book where I didn't like the secret life of trees, yeah. which is the book that was translated from German is she didn't really personify it. She was, she really approached it from a scientific lens and not that this was happening like out of love or maternal instinct. Like yes. the, some other books have, have pushed. Um, yeah, she was like, not only was she. She was doing the research here. It was scientific. And it was very scientific-based. Yeah. Like, it, it made a lot of sense where some of those other books were, I don't know, more far-fetched in my mind. Um, I yeah. love that. I I know you talked about this on next week's podcast as well. Yeah. I, I have to read this book. I Definitely. It definitely sounds like something I would Well, friend, you can appreciate. get it on your Libby app, and there's probably only like a 16-week wait. Maybe I'll buy it. It's, so we can say, uh, yeah. we can say, oh, we bought the book. There you go. That will help. In speaking with the publicist, then yeah. you don't have to feel guilty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I would recommend this one for. Um, I w- I would recommend everyone reads this book because it kind of gives some more perspective into, um, really what's going 
on beneath our feet when you walk through the forest. And uh, I'd love to see research that's being done in other areas of the world after after this research, even just other areas of the country. What's going on in my neck of the woods in regards to, I'm thinking like the Pine Barrens. And um, like how are, are pitch pines communicating or, or sharing resources the same way? Um, I could imagine. I would love to know. Def- I would imagine they are after reading yeah. this. But I would imagine cool they are see. too. Very yeah. cool. I think that's a fantastic review. Fantastic, fantastic job. Um, I think the only other thing we have left is take it or leave it. And I, I'm sure you saw what it is and you know what inspired it. Um, Tom shared with me an article from a trade publication. Um, and it's just funny how things go both ways on this. And it was an article about someone who was a native plant person shaming non-native plant people uh, with all of their choices <clears throat> and being yes, that person yeah. that that we say not to be and the person that we don't like speaking to us that way also. So my, my take it or leave it is non-native plant shaming. What do you think? Um, I am going to back up and say one more thing. Okay. Not about the book. I missed uh, someone in my listener shout outs. Oh, go ahead. And that's – I got to meet Denise Alvarez. Oh, did very you really? active in our Facebook group. Yes. So, um, yeah, so she was uh, picking up some plants and got to say hello and chat oh, with her for cool. a little while. So it's always good to, to see did some she, of you folks in person. And, did she ask about me? No. No. <laughs> Sorry, friend. That's, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. No, that's very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, I'm assuming you're leafing this one. And and it. I just thought this was a good teaching moment. Just that, yeah. you know, we we treat treat others the way we want to be treated, and yeah, it's a uh, so and there are non natives as long as it's not invasive yeah. that do have some merit to yeah. them. So uh, the article friends referencing was in a, a trade magazine, and I I think it brought up some really valid points. It it, it totally um, did, and it's a, the author of the article is actually a friend of ours, and I'm gonna and it was from the January. Ep- uh, art or edition and i forgot to i didn't read it on time it was more the editorial it wasn't really it was, the, ed- it was, it was the, the editorial um and it was just talking about some of these facebook groups and then you had someone who started out as like an impassioned or i don't want a passionate contributor all of a sudden shaming people for their non-native plant choices and uh basically what i'm going to say when i write into i'm wondering if it's one of our listeners you to think the it could editor be? you maybe. think it could be it's possible um, when I write into the editor is say, yeah, I don't support what this person's doing. Yes. However, when your eyes are opened to what's going on in the world and you see all these invasive plants spreading all over yeah. the place and, uh, and stuff that is known to be invasive and known to cause problems and issues and all this stuff, it's really hard to keep seeing people then saying, hey, I know this has problems, but I'm going to plan it anyway. Yeah. And it's hard to not get angry. It's hard not to get impassioned. And it happens to, to myself, too. It's like uh, I'll look at a, a site plan for our – they're going to build a, a warehouse in our town. I look at the site plan. I'm like, well, you're putting in Bradford Pear and Japanese Barberry and all this stuff that we know is bad. Yeah, And, like, should I – Say, it's oh, deflating. oh, you know what? You could make a better choice. Or say, are you that 
like, are you really going to do that? Yeah. It's like, just all you got to do is look it up and you'll find out it's not the right choice. Um, when you see it the first time, like, the, I'm sure each time you go through that <laughs> process, uh, it yeah. just grinds on you a little bit more. <laughs> and it's yeah. like another, like, just you get a little rougher, a little rougher, a little rougher each time until it comes off. And then that person who's seeing is like, wow, this person's really going at them, but it's they're not seeing the hundred times before where they were polite yeah. and can't they can't understand how come when someone could still make that wrong choice. Exactly. Um so I'm gonna say that more succinctly to her, but say it's that's why that's happening. Is when you see over and over and over again there's so much evidence saying why these native plants are the better choice overall for so many different things. Just like even just putting beauty aside. Native plants be just as beautiful as some of these non-native plants. Um, but putting that as like once you f- even if you say, okay, the non-native plant takes the checkbox on that one, you go down the list, it's native plants win almost every other time you just have to be careful so, how you do it because yeah. you can have all that great insight and just be shut out at the way you're presenting yeah. it yeah and then you you've done no good because yeah. now you don't have a voice so that was more for her yeah. i think for for us and and the folks here it's it's being cognizant that it only takes one negative reaction yeah. to to basically demonize you from that group we we see it's, it in uh, native plant groups period not even oh, yeah. non-native plant yeah. groups we see it in native plant groups yeah fortunately not so much ours you know i think yeah. we've been pretty fortunate but if if you want to continue to have a say and contribute you, you can't hit people over the head mm-hmm. with it yeah. although you may feel like the urgency is necessary oh, yeah. i get it i totally yeah. get it but um we want to reach more people yeah. You know, and it's sometimes that little bit of patience is, is what we need to do it. Yeah. And the, you, even though you may be the expert in that conversation, yeah. by telling someone you're the expert, you're just turning them off. Yeah. Wait yeah. for them to add, hey, you know a lot about. I have, I have a, a, I was at a, a social gathering and I have two of my friends talking about, trees that are growing in a woods that we actually share <laughs> like we're all neighbors on so it's like and they're talking about what trees are in there and i'm like i just bit my tongue i'm like that tree isn't in there you are not describing that tree at all <laughs> like what you, they, they're talking about all these trees and that and i'm just like I, when they ask my opinion i'll give my opinion but i'm not going to chime in and say no you guys are wrong yeah because then they're gonna be like oh he doesn't know what he's talking about it's what if what if you can make yourself the expert without saying you're the expert what if what if I were to change my title from Sultan of Sales to Sultan of Native Plants? Would that work? <laughs> I, <laughs> and then I, I could know. just lead in every conversation. I don't have to say it. It would yeah. just be next to my name, yeah. Sultan yeah. of Native Plants. It's just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> Why would one be it's called true. something he is it's not? True. Yeah. That's maybe, that's that maybe that's yeah. more succinct. Sultan of Native Plants? Yeah. I don't know. Time will tell. But yeah, so I'm I'm gonna leave uh, the non-native plant shaming. Definitely shouldn't shame. Too. It's um, you want to you want to teach and bring along, and yeah. you don't want to shame. It's, yeah, it's it's this you're 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 getting the same message across in a in a yeah. There's a lot of a more times productive where because I I observe a lot of these things and it's just like 
you even have those people where it's like in there's a South Jersey Gardeners group. Yeah. And I think some of the people I'm referring to are are going to be in this group or in or listeners to this. But there's people who do a really good job of positively saying someone's like, "Hey, I want to put a a small tree in this area of my yard and I don't want to create myrtle. What should I put?" And then it's like the flood of, "Oh, Japanese maple and this and that and this and that." And then and then you have it's the there's people who do it, and they're like, hey, you should really think about planting a native plant. What about an eastern redbud? Yeah. And really positive about it. I see even some of those people. I think they're doing the right thing. Yes. But because it happens so frequently, even they get labeled as, like, the native plant kooks of that group because that's their response. Oh, it's, oh, it's always a native plant with these people. Always, oh, if it's not a native plant, it doesn't count. They're taking it personally yeah. and reacting negatively, even though we're – our message is positive. You don't even have to point yeah. out that it's a native plant. You can yeah. just say, hey, yeah. I think this is a great choice and does yeah. this for these reasons. Yeah. You know, just, so. hey, it, it brings in these birds, brings in these pollinators, has all these great benefits. Yep. Without. yep. It's it's possible. But you're not going to – you're never going to win 100%. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. There's always going to be someone that's like, oh, I know what you're doing. Yep. You can't fool mm-hmm. me, you hippie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I, th- I think we've – We've we've hit our limit for today. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be it. So that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants, Healthy Planet, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Uh, RJ Comer, thank you for our Buzz intro theme music. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music wherever you consume music. Uh, check out his Americana playlist on Pandora as well. Thank you also to Dave Bennett for our incredible Native Plant anthem. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland nursery facebook at pinelands nursery nj instagram at native plants underscore healthy planet and also youtube at pinelands nursery don't forget about the question and comment line uh no calls from saul recently but he just mailed me a present really yeah a a framed print of a trillium from 1807 wow yeah beautiful beautiful not totally not expecting that uh, you can call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat this. 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment. We'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And let's not forget the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. It's been going swimmingly uh, recently, so we appreciate all the new members. I think we just hit 2,500 members. So we're still small but but still potent. Uh, so make sure you keep the conversation going over there. Yeah, so you can buy uh, Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. Anything you buy on there, uh, I, there's not a percentage, but the whatever the profit is on that item uh, goes into a PayPal account yes. that we let kind of build and build and build. And once it reaches a, a nice level, then we say, hey, we're going to give this to somebody. So not only are you... Uh, when you buy a Native Plants Healthy Planet t-shirt or apron or phone case, are you getting something fashionable uh, for your backyard barbecue or, or party that you're going to? But you're also, uh, in a roundabout way, donating to a cause, uh, something boots on the ground that is is doing really good stuff with Native Plants that a couple hundred bucks is going to make a big difference to. Yeah. That's the kind of organizations we try and choose. So uh, you're, you're giving back in that way. Yeah. And um, you can listen to... Native Plants Healthy Planet at that website, but you're probably going to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, not Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Not uh, Google. Not Google. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Podbean, wherever you choose yes. to listen to your pod or your podcast, uh, do us a favor. As I asked earlier, five star views go a long, long way. I would love to see us in that uh, top hundred so we can have something in common with Sankram Vedantam and Ali Ward and Bill Nye and those that. folks. We were so close. So, we were so, so close. close. So I have a feeling we're we're trending upward again. Yeah. So like it, everything ebb and flows a little bit, and we're we're taking. Reaching that next plateau. Yeah, it's podcast so, season. Frank. It is podcast, it's podcast season, season. So, so um, we we got to start saving big episodes for sweep weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, not only will that review really warm Fran in my heart, uh, or well, we don't share our heart, our hearts independently, <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, it'll also uh, gets you a shout out if you write something on on our buzz episodes, and it also will get you entered into our drawing for uh, one of two signed copies of, what's the name of the book again? Earth and by Soul Leah by Leah Rampey. Earth Beauti- and Soul. Beautifully signed, too. Nice little message on each one. Yeah, so. But you won't know what the message is unless you win. You got to win. So. You got to win. All right. All right. You got a secret? Hmm. I'm sure I, I do. I do but... if you don't. Yeah, go ahead. So I know I, I thought I'd expand on a couple of the stories from the Meet Frank Chismar episode. So I know uh, I was thinking about this after the fact. I mentioned the one vacation we went on is when I was a kid to mm-hmm. a Boy Scout uh, jamboree in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I was saying it was our one and only vacation. And uh, one of the reasons why it was our only vacation, one, we were kind of poor. Like I don't even know how we got the, mm-hmm. the pop-up trailer because there were times yeah. in my childhood, like we were on food stamps, I, but my my father would get laid off for periods, yeah. so it was probably a period where he was working. Probably mm-hmm. had a friend that gave him a deal, but I almost drowned on that trip, really? and I think that was so. I was six at the time, like six and a half, and all the kids I knew were older because they were in Boy Scouts, yeah. and because yep. my dad was um, had always been involved in Boy Scouts, so. We were at a pool at the campground that had a deep end, mm-hmm. and I had never been in a pool that had a deep end. I didn't know deep end yeah. existed. So all the kids were in the deep end swimming, and I'm like, well, I'm going to jump in the end that they're in. Yeah. And I did and sunk. And so um, fortunately, you're in a pool full of Boy Scouts. Yeah. I got yep. pulled out and saved. So that kind of like led to my parents making me get my junior life savings. <laughs> uh, okay, like, yeah, uh, yep. Uh, badge like I had to take swim as soon as we got back, and that's a whole nother mm-hmm. mess of stories. But uh, took swimming lessons until I got my junior life savings. Like yeah. I became a, a lifeguard. Never, yeah, awesome. never did it, but yeah. became a lifeguard. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was the last trip. Never went on another yeah. vacation ever again. I think these are some good secrets, Fran. I think we should do one a week All or right. one in a buzz, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's a good. Yeah. yeah, and made me that I don't. I, it can't like after the fact. I was like, oh, that's why we never went on a vacation. Like I almost died. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's probably a good. It's funny just being a little older myself now, and um, when I'm like talking, I'm telling a story to my wife about something that happened. I'm like, it all makes sense now why we never did this again, <laughs> or why would why this happened from after that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's funny putting those pieces together. Yeah, it's funny like like talking about it. You don't put two and two together mm-hmm. like it's funny i'm like oh why didn't they have to bring that up but i had gotten so off topic so many times during that there wasn't enough time yeah so. yep. but thought it would be thought it'd be nice to elaborate on that yeah one. awesome awesome cool. so that's it yeah that's all uh with that thank you everyone i'm tom and i am fran thanks again everyone coming up next week 
we have a little something for our Canadian listeners. We think you will enjoy this episode. So uh, make sure you tune in next week. Yeah. Uh, Rain has tentatively, uh, tentatively named the, the episode Meet Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a placeholder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we didn't want to put that much pressure on our, our guests. Uh, yeah. But they are from the Great White North, um, living in I think Ontario Take and New off, Brunswick, eh? yeah, uh, yeah, respectively. So. so two guests. It was a great conversation. Tom and I learned a lot, and it was actually very like introspective. Like, yeah, at the end of it, we were just kind of wowed by some of their their responses and choices, and mm-hmm. it kind of made us really think. Like, it took it went way deeper in some respects mm-hmm. than we expected yeah, it to go, sure. and it was a fantastic conversation. We learned a lot, and. Those are episodes that we think always go over well. So so make sure you tune in next week for that. Uh, we'll see you again next time. And until then, keep it native. In meadows, woods, wetlands, and dales grows a bounty of beauty that never fails. Our native plants, so diverse and so rare, treasures of our land beyond compare. For the friends Soaring oaks above Each plant has a place Each plant is loved Modern caterpillars Marks milk Wheat so tall These buzz about Sifting methods fall Oh native plants How do you grace this land In your diversity We will take a stand To protect and preserve Our generations to come May beauty and importance Second to none To protect and preserve For earth to restore The native plant food That you just can't ignore Golden rod, asters, and flowers galore. Menard is so stunning, can't help but adore. Your colors, the fragrance, a feast for the eyes. Their value to wild, like no need to disguise. Native plants, how you grace this land. In your diversity, we will take a stand. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.